Good morning. Happy 4th of July. It's not often we have 4th of July fall on a Sunday. As a matter of fact, I can't remember the last time a 4th of July has fell on a Sunday. And as I was driving over here, I was just thinking about it. It just didn't, it just kind of, it kind of hit me like this wasn't an accident, you know? The, the older I get in God, the more I don't believe in accidents. He holds everything together. And so I am going to give really just a talk. I'm not, I don't have a sermon. As a matter of fact, I, I'll be honest with you. As y'all know, I'm, I'm always, I I'm try to be very transparent. I never want to just bring a message to when I'm speaking. I want to speak whatever I feel like the Lord's saying to this group of people at this moment. And in doing so, much of my preparation for speaking is usually me getting up early on Sunday morning and listening. And I just listen until I feel like I hear or get clarity from the Lord about a particular direction. Now, sometimes I don't get clarity. And in those types of moments, I have, I've been learning how to walk by faith <laughs> and not by sight. And so I show up in front of a group of people to speak on something that I don't know what I'm going to speak. And it just so happens, such as today. <laughs> but I have learned to really get excited in that kind of life because I find that God, when you're, when you're listening to follow the Spirit and not just natural, what could be a good message. I mean, there's lots of truth in the Word. There's lots of good messages. But what is the Lord speaking right now? And when you want to follow that, you know, you, f you start finding out that God will release stuff at the perfect timing. And I literally got a download from the Lord in the bathroom when I was going to the bathroom. It's just a second ago. So I'm just very transparent. Um, I felt like the Lord just gave me insight on something I had been thinking about that I think is a message for us. And so nothing like him to be in the last minute. But uh, first of all, I do want to address our country. I want to talk to us about our country and the hand of God in our country. Um, first of all, thank you to everyone who has served in our military. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Um, I know a number of you have. Thank you for your service. Um, we appreciate it. You know, it's, uh, we would not be the country we are today without having to fault the battles that have been fought to preserve freedom. And that's really what we're talking about is freedom. You know, freedom is the very, is freedom in itself was a God idea. It was inspired by God. Scripture says in Galatians 5.1 that it was for freedom's sake that Christ set us free. It was for freedom's sake that Christ set us free. The Lord loves freedom. It's even so much that it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You want to know what's God and what's the devil? Who's stealing freedom and who's giving it? In the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, he placed two trees in the garden. One was the tree of life, which he could freely eat from. Actually, there were a lot of trees in the garden. There were two specific ones that were called out, okay? <laughs> they could eat from all the fruit of all the trees except for one, and it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
It wasn't a tree of evil. It was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's a big difference. It's not that it was a bad tree in of itself, but the Lord said, don't partake of this fruit because the day you eat of it, you will die. He wasn't telling them that so that so to pronounce some incredible judgment over them from having eaten it. He was telling them that. He was letting them know what would happen if they ate from it. When, they, when men began to try to live their life outside of the life of God and make their own decisions, go their own way, and decide what they're going to do and how they're going to live based on right and wrong, good and evil in their own eyes, they will, it will always produce death. Because the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end of which is death. When we try to go our way, Without God's direction, God's insight, the Spirit of God directing our, our lives, it always ends in a bad way because we are good at screwing things up. God is the only one that can keep us on the straight path, and we have to become spirit-led people. You know, it's the children of Israel. They were in the they were and when they were in the desert, they were in the desert, and when the cloud would follow them. It was a cloud of fire by night, a cloud by day. When that cloud would get up and go, the children had to break camp and get up and follow that cloud. It could be in the middle of the night. It doesn't matter. Whenever the cloud moved, the people had to move. That was a picture of what Paul was talking about. That He said, blessed are those... When, when Paul was talking about these are the sons of God, those that follow the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. When we follow the Spirit... That's a sign that we are a child of the king. Children of God who are born of his spirit follow the spirit. And when the cloud lifts, we follow it, okay? But when we choose to live by our own understanding to say, well, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I'm not going to, that doesn't make, nah, that don't make sense to me. That must, you know, that's not God because I can't understand it. That's returning to our own mindset. You know what I mean? Where we're living according to our own natural knowledge. You know, like when the Lord, I started, one time I was, I was heading to, I was leaving a mechanic shop and uh, I had this thought go through my head that I recognized more, was more than just a thought. It was go to this, go to Home Depot, which I never go to. I always go to Lowe's. I never go to Home Depot. I despise Home Depot. Sorry if you're, <laughs> uh, but I was going, I always go to Lowe's. I needed to go to Lowe's, but instead I had this thought, go to, go to Home Depot and you're going to run into so-and-so and I'm going to begin to start doing something in y'all's relationship. It was a relationship that had been strained. That didn't make sense to me. Why would they be in there? I started literally rationalizing in my mind. How, this doesn't make sense to my brain. But you know what I did? Ah, maybe I'm wrong. Well, let's just go. Literally, as I'm walking in the door of the Home Depot, that person was walking out. We couldn't miss each other. We ran right at each other and had a conversation. And it started, I think, the beginning of, of some reconciliation. It was really important. But I've had numerous things like that where things didn't make sense, and it made no sense to do it, but I just would step out and find out that it was God the whole time, and he was trying to teach me not to listen to my mind, but to the Lord. Okay, that's called being spirit-led versus mind-led. 
I can't tell you how many times that's happened in my life. And there's been times that I didn't listen and come to find out I really blew it, like really blew it. Y'all know what I'm saying? So that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when we begin to live our life. And we've talked about the results of that. But here's, that was a little bit of a, of a squirrel moment because that's really wasn't the point that I was trying to make. Here's the point. God loves freedom so much that he allowed a tree to be in the, go- the garden so that man could freely choose. He told him not to do it, but he gave him the choice whether or not to do it. God loves freedom so much that he'll even let us choose. Remember what he told the nation of Israel? I set before you blessing and curses. You choose. He loves freedom. He even gives us freedom to to disobey. That's how much God loves freedom. He loves it a lot. That's important for us. Um, we need to honor freedom. And I'm going I'm to talk to us a little bit about America and how, but there is an honoring of freedom that God, I believe that God really does. I remember, um, I, you, you guys might not know this, but I, I've really had to overcome speaking in front of people. I mean, I'm talking about, I've, I'm, I'm naturally very timid when it comes to speaking in front of groups. So to the point that I used to get locked up, choked up, couldn't breathe, you would think I'm having a heart attack if you to watch me try to speak in front of groups 20 years ago. Um, and I've had to fight, 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 fight to overcome that. So I had this dream a number of years ago that I was going to have to face this uh, Goliath in a, in a UFC fight, <laughs> this giant. And uh, so I knew something big was, when I woke up from the dream, I knew something big was coming. And I, I had a sneaky feeling that it was going to have to do with speaking in front of a large crowd, just because of that's like the biggest giant I knew in my life. I was terrified. And um, I had this guy randomly call me, and he was from the NRA prayer breakfast. Now, I'm not an NRA member, just so you know. Uh, I'm for the NRA, but I'm, I'm just, I'm not a member and I've never been a member. I've never even, they didn't even cross my mind to become a member at that point. Uh, wasn't something I was into necessarily. Um, but this guy contacts me out of the blue and he says, he's telling us about this prayer breakfast they're going to be having in Charlotte. And he was wanting me to pray at their prayer breakfast. I'm thinking, Okay. All right, I started getting nervous, like really nervous. And so that was a sign to me that this probably was that. I started thinking, oh, my God, this is the giant in my dream. And so I'm like, okay, I have to face this thing. Golly. Well, it was to make, well, it was really a crazy story because the guy ended up, the guy thought he had called someone else. And we discovered it on the phone because both of our, the person he thought he's calling, his name was Jesse. My first name is Jesse. And he's like, is this Jesse? And I'm like, well, well yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, we were talking and back and forth. And then we realized, I realized he wasn't talking about me. So I tell him, I'm like, oh, you know what? You're thinking of this guy. And I told him who he's trying to reach. And I said, I got his number. And he just paused for a second. I mean, like a long second when I told him that. And he says, no, I think you're the one that's supposed to do this. My heart sunk. <laughs> Because I was trying to get out of this. 
but I knew it was the Lord and I was terrified and I thought this was going to be like two or 300 people in this, in this NRA prayer breakfast. Okay. So he tell with the date gets set and he tells me to go, <laughs> we went where to go and everything. Well, it's the Charlotte convention center. They're having an NRA all weekend long. They, they rented out the Charlotte convention center. And I figured there'd be, might be 200 people that show up for early morning prayer breakfast at a convention and I come down the, the escalators to go to the room where this thing's going to be, and I thought it would be a room maybe a little bigger than this, and this thing's got doors. Like, they probably had like 15, 20 doors to get into this one room. And I come down, and there's like 1,000 people outside the doors waiting to get in. And I'm starting to have this panic attack, you know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Lord. And uh, I go inside, and this, is, this has nothing to do with what I'm sharing, but I just think it's funny. I go inside, and there's uh, Oliver North. Y'all know who Oliver North? I'm sitting right beside him. <laughs> they sit me right beside Oliver North, who is an American hero and, and a believer. Uh, and I, I, I was like, oh, my gosh. And I had told the guy, I said, look, I will come and pray at this thing. I said, but I'm not going to give a speech and call it a prayer. If I get up, I'm praying. We're praying. But as I was preparing, and I, and I, and I wasn't doing a lot of preparing because I was just going to go pray. It's 200 people, I thought. I'm just going to pray. It don't matter, you know. Uh, and, uh, but I kept feeling the Lord tell me he wants to honor these people. And I'm like, Lord, what, 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 how, why, what? And he began to speak to me to honor them. And this is how I was to honor them in my prayer. And, and it was those two scriptures. It was for freedom's sake that Christ set us free. And he wanted me, it's not that God was, it, it, it wasn't about the guns or the lack of guns. This, this is what the Lord told me. It was that they stood for people's right to be free. And I was to honor that. And, and I quoted those two scriptures in my prayer, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you look at all the nations of the world where there is uh, dictatorship and oppression and the fruit of those, uh, of those type of situations, governments, you see death, destruction, pain, misery, no joy. I mean, it's just like you're, you're, you, when you're under the oppression of the enemy, it steals the very life out of you. Freedom brings life. Freedom brings happiness. Let me ask you just a real practical question. Would you rather, would you rather sit under a landlord for 30 years or would you rather own your own home? What is it about ownership Freedom of ownership that gives you gives us joy, gives us a, 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 a something to, to have a stake in. You know what I mean? And that's just something that God's given us. He told He called Adam and Eve, and He told them He wants them to cultivate the land. It was here's here's this garden. I'm giving it to you. Take care of it. He was giving it to His freedom. But anyway, America. Now, if you don't know history, you need to. I know history is boring for a lot of people, and I get that. But here's the problem. If you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. And the scripture says, if the foundations are destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Okay? The enemy's real good about trying to destroy righteous foundations. You know that? 
He tries to twist history. He tries to distort it. He, we're, we're today, in our day, we are having the, one of the worst indoctrinations of changing history in order to fit a narrative that says you shouldn't love this country or appreciate this country because this is an evil country. We've done evil things, and so you shouldn't respect and honor this country. I'm telling you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Has there been evil things done in this country? Yes. Absolutely. I will not deny that. But I want to address some of this. First of all, you have to understand the parable that Jesus said. How many know the parable of the wheat and the tares? Okay. Jesus told a parable. He said the son of, you know, that the son of man went and sowed seeds in a field, right? And in the middle of the night, the enemy comes and he sowed tares in that same field. Now the field was the son of man's. It was, it was the Lord's. It was his field. It was a good field. He planted good seed. But the enemy came and sowed tares, and his servants came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed? He said, yeah, I sowed good seed. He said, but there's tares in the field. And he says, an enemy has come and done this. You see, anytime God goes to sow something, the enemy tries to go and counter. He always does. Because he's trying to work against what God is sowing. When God sows, the enemy comes and sows. God sows Adam and Eve in the, in the garden, and where does the enemy does? He comes as a serpent, crafty, trying to, trying to play word games to deceive them, and he hadn't changed. Did God really say, oh, you won't die when you eat this fruit? You'll just become like God, and you'll know the difference between good and evil. You'll be wise in your own eyes. See that crafty devil? He's, he's crafty. And he comes in there and he tries to deceive, and he's doing the same thing right now. And so the Lord said, let them both grow up together, the wheat and the tares, and at harvest time, go and pull out the tares and th- tie them up in bundles and cast them into the fire. And he basically says that this thing is about, the, this parable is about the end of the age and that the harvest is the end of the age. But here's the first thing you need to understand from this parable. Just because bad things happen in, in, a, in a situation doesn't mean that the Lord is not involved in a particular field. So people can say America is a bad place because bad things happen. There's no place on earth where bad stuff hadn't happened. No place. There's no church that doesn't have bad things happen. You know why? Because there's people there. Any place you have a person, you have the potential for bad things to happen. Period. That does not mean that, that a church is bad. It doesn't mean a school is bad or, or the police force is bad because there's a bad cop. You, you know, it doesn't mean a country is bad because something bad happened. It means that it's time for the good people. You know what the script, you know what it says? This is not scripture, but this is a true statement. All it takes for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. And we're sitting in a time that it's no longer going to be possible to sit around as so-called good people and do nothing. Because you're going to get pushed into this fight because we're in a war in this country. And we're about to lose our country if we're not careful and, and very careful. And I want to talk to you about some of that 
And, and something that the Lord showed me just a little bit ago that I think is a key on how we have to overcome, and, and, and it may surprise some of you. I, I saw how the enemy's strategy was against our nation. I saw it clear as a bell just a few minutes ago. But, but first of all, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want to talk about how this nation was founded. You know, there were two original colonies in our country. Um, I say two original. They, uh, they were the first two. Um, the first one was in Virginia, and it was in 1606, and it was Jamestown. And um, I just want to read to you what they said um, when they landed here and the purpose of their landing, okay? Um, I'm going to read this. This is, what, this is their own words. I just want to make sure I'm at the right spot here. Okay, they wrote this. We do hereby dedicate this land and ourselves to reach the people within these shores with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to raise up godly generations after us. And with these generations, take the kingdom of God to all the earth. May this covenant of dedication remain to all generations. As long as the earth remains, may this land, along with England, be evangelist to the world. <laughs> Is there any question? This is the first colony in the United States of America, and this is what they declared their motivation for, for coming here. They made a covenant with this land when they landed, and I think God honored it. There's something called a golden thread, which is what his Christian historians view as Seeing, you know, when you make a tapestry, there's one thread that you have to kind of go off of that kind of binds everything together, and it's called the golden thread. Christian historians view that as when we look through history, we're not just looking for history, we're looking to see God in history. Because history is like this, his story. His story. The whole book of Revelations is history of mankind and the history of Jesus Christ being revealed through the history of mankind. And it says that in the beginning of the book. We want to see the Lord in what's going on in, in our history. And if we can see that, when see what God's doing, we can get behind what God's doing. But if we're ignorant to what God has been doing, we won't know how to, how to be involved in it in our time. We have to see it. Second group of people that came here, they pretty much said the same thing. They were the pilgrims that landed in Massachusetts, and they had dedicated this land to the Lord as well. They, had f they were fleeing persecution from, from England, and they came here to find a place where they could find freedom to worship God the way they pleased, the way the Bible taught them, their own convictions of what the Word says, and to also reach people for the gospel. And so, Inside of um, the book of Revelations and Revelations 12, I believe it shows a clear picture of America in the whole history of that. You see in Revelations how the woman had given birth to a son who would rule the nations with a rod of iron, which Jesus referenced himself doing that, but he was called up to heaven, okay? Y'all with me? Y'all, Revelations 12. And so this child was called up to heaven, and 
it says that the dragon came with great wrath to persecute the woman, but that she was given the wings of a great eagle. What's America's, what's America's uh, symbol? An eagle. And it, was t- and it would take her to a wilderness where she would be protected. So here this, here this woman was taken, so the church was being persecuted in England, and an eagle was t- taken this to, to a wilderness. What was America when, the, when they landed? Wilderness. And it says that the dragon opened his mouth and released a flood, a torrent, to sweep up the woman, but that the earth opened up and swallowed the flood. Well, what happened at that time period, 1492, Columbus attempting to, to navigate the world, and they had an idea that the world was flat, and you'd fall off the sides on each end, you know, but he didn't believe that. Christopher Columbus, just in case, I'm just saying, you can look this up, you can research him if you want to research true history. This man was a Christian. He wanted to see the gospel reach the, na- the world. He was a great guy, and he was not what they're saying he was today. Um, that's just a side note. But he, he came, and he found America, and then they began to say how the earth had opened up because all of a sudden, they had all this resources. The earth had opened up. There was all this new land, and all these people who had been persecuted because of the persecution going on in Europe, they were fleeing to America. And so America, from its founding, was a Christian nation. Was it a perfect nation? No. Did it have things wrong in it? Yes. Was it a Christian nation? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, they made a covenant. Both of these colonies made a covenant with God. Uh, for time's sake, I'm not going I'm, I'm to go into all the, you can trust me or you can do better than trust me because I tell you, you should never trust anybody with a microphone. <laughs> You need to do your own research. You need to be like the Bereans and go back and study and see if what I say is true. But you can study and find out that these, th- th- this land was dedicated to the Lord. I've given you one example of that, but there's tons of... And God m- made a covenant with this land. And he began to work in this land. And one thing that you can see as different from all other nations prior to this is that America was founded on an idea. An idea. No other nation had been founded on an idea. What was that idea? No. Freedom. Freedom. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And when you know, when you watch the nation of Israel, and they were a great example, it's pretty interesting too, we had 13 states. Israel had 13 tribes. You realize that? Just a little side note. There is a lot of parallels between the nation of America and, and, uh, and Israel. Most nations are formed up of a particular ethnos or you know, particular race of people. America was very different. It was a melting pot for all people. And it was a place that you could come and live out your, you know, it's the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's the pursuit of it. There's no guarantee of it for you. We can't guarantee it for you. But you can pursue it. Life, you're free to live. You're free to have your own liberty and to exercise your, 
your own decisions. Now, you're not free from the consequences of your decisions, but you're free to make your own decisions and the pursuit of happiness. And so America was founded on freedom and giving freedom, and it was for all people. It was not for any particular people. It was for all people, and people from all over the world flooded into this nation. And if, and if you look around the room, and we started researching the roots of our family ancestry, all of us have come from different places. But every nation in the world is represented here in America. And up until recently, everyone was wanting to come here because of that freedom. There's a reason why th thousands and thousands upon thousands of people are trying to get into this country. There's a reason. But we're about to lose all that. So America has been protected by God. They really have. They've had a protection over them. We've won our freedom from England, which shouldn't have happened. It was the mightiest nation in the world. We won, thankfully, we were able to fight off the wickedness of slavery cost a lot of blood and a lot of lives, but we ended slavery, and we began to drive out the tears of racism that has been going on in our country that the enemy sowed, and we began to fight through wars and different things. Some of our wars have been very, 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 very righteous. Some of our wars have not been righteous. The point is, is that God's hand has been on our nation just like God's hand was on Israel. And here's where I want you to turn the scripture, and this is where I want to get into what the Lord showed me. That was all backdrop. But if you turn over to Numbers, I think it's Numbers 25, but I have lost my place. I'm about to find it again. It's really Numbers 23, 24, 25, but I, I'm going to have to paraphrase it because we don't have time, all right? There was a prophet. And when I say a prophet, I don't mean like a prophet of Israel that sought God for direction. I'm talking about a man who used divination or witchcraft or sorcery to find out what, what God was saying. And that may be weird to a lot of us, and it should be, but it was something God didn't like. But if you read 23, uh, you find out that Israel's enemies were coming to him. Actually, it starts in 22, sorry. You find that Moab had sent all this money and all this blessings to this prophet, and they wanted him to come down and curse Israel. And they were willing to pay him. And he said, okay, I'll go with you, but I can only, I'm only going to, I can only curse them if God curses them, okay? And so he comes, and Every time he goes to curse Israel, he blesses them instead. And so Moab gets furious. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I told you. I can only do what God tells me to do. And so they keep trying different ways to somehow get him to be able to curse Israel. And every time he blesses Israel, because that's what he hears. And finally you find out on the back side of the story that this prophet was put to death by Israel. And it's kind of a mystery a little bit when you're digging into it. But what you end up finding out as you study and scour these scriptures is you find out that he knew he couldn't curse what God blesses. So, right? You can't curse what God blesses. So the only way Moab could get what they wanted, which was for Israel to fall. The only way, there was one way. You know what they had to do? 
they had to somehow get Israel to fall out of grace with God. And so he counseled the Moabites, look, if you will get Israel to sin against their God, God will remove his covering of protection and you can have them. And so what they did was they began to send their prettiest women into their camps and began to entice their men. And they began to entice their men, and the men were getting swept up in, their, in these gorgeous women. And these women were, would get, get, get them, get their attention, get their enticement. These men would fall in love with them, and then they would get them to start worshiping their God. And so they got Israel to sin against God, and God removed his hand of grace on them, and he actually sent a plague out among them. And this is where you pick up the story in Numbers 25. While Israel remained, this is verse 1, while Israel remained at Shittim, no jokes, <laughs> the people began to play the harlot with the daughter of Moab. For they invited the people to, the sacrif- to make sacrifices to their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor, and the Lord was angry against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. They began to sacrifice to other gods. Now you're talking about a nation that had had God in their midst. This is a very great sin, what they committed, because God was in their midst doing miracles like the world had never seen before. They had the, the cloud and the pillar of fire, and they had just came through the Red Sea with the miracle of the Red Sea. God had delivered them from so many things. He brought water out of a rock. He had done so much to reveal himself, and yet in the midst of all that, they're going to kind of turn their back on God and all that. It was a serious, serious offense. When God is in your midst, the price for sin is a lot higher what is what Rick would say all the time. What might be okay in the outer court will get you killed in the Holy of Holies. And so, the, the, behold, the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midian. Okay, Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you slays men who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor. Then behold, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel while they were weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So there's a group of these leaders that are, are just crying and mourning over the, 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 the condition of Israel, how they had fallen into sin. Does that sound familiar to you? Just the darkness that was, in, that was starting to begin to take place and the, and the, and the leadership was mourning. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he arose from the midst of the congregation and took a spear in his hand, and he went after the man of, the, the man of Israel into the, the tent and pierced both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman, through the body, so that the plague of the sons of Israel was checked. Those who died by the plague were 24,000. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, behold, I give him my covenant of peace 
And it shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of a perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. Now the name of the slain man of Israel who was slain with the Midianite woman was Zimri, the son of Salu, a leader of a father's household among the Simeonites. The name of the Midianite woman who was slain was Kozbi, the daughter of Zur, who, who was a head of the people of the father's household in Midian. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Be hostile to the Midianites and strike them, for they have been hostile to you with their tricks with which they have deceived you in the affair of Peor, talking about the prophet, and the affair of the Kozbi, the daughter of the leader of Midian, their sister who was slain on the day of the plague because of Peor. And um, let me turn over if you guys will be patient with me. I believe it's the book of Jude. Yeah. So I would encourage each of you to read the book of Jude. It's got an incredible um, insight for what we're going through, but, um, but it, I'm going to read a few verses. Just Now, I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all in the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe, and angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned the proper abode he has kept in eternal bods under darkness for the judgment of the great day just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them since they in the same way as they indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh he's talking about homosexuality are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire yet in the same way these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority revile, revile angelic majesties but Michael the archangel when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment but said the lord rebuke you but these men revile these things which they do not understand and the things which they know by instinct like unreasoning animals by these things they are destroyed woe to them for they have gone the way of cain and for pay they have rushed headlong into the error of balaam balaam is the prophet that we are just referencing balaam of beor okay or peor depending on how it reads so for pay, they have rushed headlong into the era of Balaam and perished in the, the rebel of the rebellion of Korah. These are men who are hidden reefs in your love feast when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Here, here's here's where here's what I, here's where I'm we're at, and here's where I what I want to say to you, us as a congregation. All this has been to get to this point. We are seeing debauchery in our nation like I've never seen in my lifetime. I have two girls; they both go to public school. There are, I mean, I was just at a board of education meeting, and the, one of the ladies in front of me had her little boy dressed as a little girl with long hair, makeup, probably 11 years old, and she's advocating for protecting her, her daughter against discrimination, not allowing him to play in girls' sports. This child, a child, we are seeing wickedness on a level that I have never seen in my lifetime. And it's been a slow fade. You know, it started in the 60s and maybe even a little bit before then where the devil knew that he could not curse America. 
unless he can get America to curse itself by turning against their God and doing that which is evil in his sight. And that's what happened to this nation. We have played the harlot with sin, wickedness. We have allowed things that should not have been allowed. And, we've, and even if we haven't done it ourselves as the church, we have sat around and lived comfortable and not stood up to fight this stuff like Phineas did. Phineas was given a reward because he was willing to stand up and do something to stop the wickedness that was going on. Now, God's not calling any of us to go kill somebody. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we need to drive a spear through the wickedness that is being prevailed, and the spear that we're going to use is called the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit began to speak truth, began to speak out, began to not be afraid to stand up and to speak truth in the midst where truth, in a generation where truth is mocked. When a lie is preferred over a truth, and if we don't repent as a church, because the Scripture says in Chronicles that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their evil way and seek my face, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. That's a promise. God wants to heal America. He loves this country. We have fought for freedom all over the world. We have the blood of our people who has been shed all over the world for the sake of freedom. But God's not going to protect us if we're doing the very things that he hates. And when I say America, I'm really looking to the church. Scripture says that judgment begins with the household of God. We have got to get our house in order. And here's the, I just want to give you a couple things I'm thinking about. When we watch smut on TV and call it entertainment and our kids are watching it with us, and we just think, oh, this is the way it is, we're guilty. When we pay for service, this is my opinion, it's my opinion. You can shout, you know, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good, but this is my opinion. When we pay for subscriptions to things that are, that is feeding money into organizations that are pumping out filth throughout the world, we're, we're guilty because we're not willing to sacrifice our own comfort. Oh, you mean I'm going to miss this show? I'm going to miss this show. I can't do that. If I miss this show, I mean, golly. Yeah, I know that what they're doing is not good. I know they're, they have child porn as one of their companies, and I know that they're promoting LGBTQ everywhere they go, and I know they're fighting freedom on every front. And anytime a Christian speaks up, they do anything they can to silence them, but I can't miss this show, so I'm going to keep paying them on my $14.99 a month and allow them to continue pumping that junk through our TV streams while our kids watch this garbage. You know, they'll give us a few, they'll give us a few kiddie shows to, to, to hook us, and then they'll pump out, and I'm speaking to Disney right now, I'm going to call them out. Then they, then they pump out a, a video, a, a TV show about witchcraft and kids playing with demons. That's on Disney Plus right now. Now, I'm going to be honest, I, you know, I may have to get conviction on this myself. I, I do watch Disney Plus. I don't pay for it. I may, I maybe I should just stop doing that altogether. 
I, I will not pay for Disney Plus. I will not pay for Netflix. I will not pay for Amazon. I will not. If I have to turn my TV off and never watch TV again, I'm not giving my money to these wicked, evil people who are pumping filth into our country and causing the people of America to enter into sin, to be, to be desensitized to what God hates, and then, call, and then we want to know why God's not here, why we're in this trouble today. We're in this trouble because we've, we want to come here on Sunday and worship with our mouth, but Monday through Saturday, we don't want to pay a price to serve God. We want to go out and preach the gospel, which we should, but we don't want to be uncomfortable when we do so. We don't want to pay a price. The men that founded this, this country, they gave it all. They knew when they signed their names to that document that that could be the end. They would be hung as traitors if they lost. You know, there is a price to pay for freedom. There's men's blood who were on a beach in Normandy that had never made it home, but they ended Hitler's reign. They died to end wickedness in, this, in the world that would have killed who knows how many more millions of Jews and anybody that stood up against them, like Christians, like Bonhoeffer, who lost his life speaking out against Hitler. If we don't stand up and count the cost, then we deserve what we get. And so I'm saying to you today, let's give God thanks and praise for this country. But let's stand up with the same courage that it took to found this country to save this country. Let's say I'm going to stand up and I'm going to be willing to pay any price to see my country restored to its godly foundation where wickedness is not approved of. And if it costs me everything, so be it, because I'm not living for here, I'm living for there. I'm not living for this world. I enjoy this world, I enjoy the beach, I enjoy pizza, I enjoy watching TV, I used to enjoy watching sports, there's nothing wrong with that in of itself, but when it becomes a higher priority than seeing the kingdom of God advance and standing against wickedness when it's overtaking us and it's everywhere, then we're in idolatry. Nothing's wrong in of itself, but when it becomes a higher position than God himself, when we're more out to watch The Bachelor than we are to go spend time praying to God, something's wrong. Bachelor's crap, by the way. That's smut. And if you watch it, you should pray about that. That stuff's smut. You need to repent of it. Holy Spirit ain't okay. Jesus ain't watching that with you. And that was just the beginning. That was just the beginning. Now you got... TV shows where the whole purpose of the show is to see if couples, to put couples in Temptation Island and to see somehow if they will cheat on their spouse. And that's the whole purpose, to see who's going to cheat. And this is entertainment for America. We have fallen and we need to repent and get right with God. If your heart's not breaking at this stuff, if you're not mourning over the wickedness, then your heart is hard and you've become desensitized by it, and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to convict you again, to let a softening begin to take place in your heart so that you mourn over the things that he mourns over.
He died on the cross because he loved us so much that he wanted to deliver us from sin, but he hated sin. Jesus, our Savior, became sin. You know that? He made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He didn't die so that we could have grace in sin. He died and took on our sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Not that we might squeak into heaven somehow by the grace of God, but that we might get free from sin and begin to speak righteously and live righteously to be light in the middle of a dark world. We need help. We need help. We need the Holy Spirit to fall on us and cause us to repent again. Holy Spirit, help us. Help our nation. Come to your people, Lord. Turn our hearts to you, God. Let our hearts break for the things that break your heart. Lord, let us love what you love and hate what, our, hate what you hate. Help. And Father, on the, on the birthday of our country that you founded, we're asking for repentance to come from this land, Lord that your people would begin to turn. It, if we would humble ourselves and pray and turn from our evil way, we have to turn, Lord. We need help. I don't even think we see the depth of the wickedness and evil that we walk in every day. Help us, Lord, so that we can turn from it. Help us to begin to seek your face again as believers that we would put you first every day, that we would get up to seek your face, to know your word, to spend time in your word, to value it enough that we would live in this thing, that we would read your word. Forgive us for the sin of, of laziness, that we wouldn't seek you in your word, that we don't even know what your word says. Lord, forgive us. We call, yourself, we call ourselves your people, but we don't even know what your word says because we don't care enough to dig in it. Lord, we, we're asking for help. Give us what we need, oh God, to turn from this wickedness, that we would put you first in our life and seek you, and that you would come and rescue us, Lord. Lord, we know that your judgment begins with the house of God. Father, come and cleanse us. Come and cleanse this house so that your blessing would be over us again. Father, help us to, to return to that shelter of the Most High because we haven't been in the shelter. If you felt conviction on any of this, ask God to not only forgive you but to help you because we can't do anything in our own strength. But he, there's a grace here to change. There's an invitation. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He will help us. He will help us if we repent, if we turn, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, but we need a cleansing. Holy fire, let the fire of God burn in this place. Let the fear of the Lord fall on this nation. You know, I was struck 
Josh, I don't know if that was your song you wrote, but that was an incredible song. But we was it your song? No, okay, that was an incredible song. But you started talking about the Moravians and how they were so focused on Jesus and him. They loved him so much that they were willing to lay down their lives, what they wanted. You know, one of those guys, when he was leaving his shore, his, his fiance's crying, why, why? He was leaving his fiance because he felt such a conviction in his heart from God to go to the West Indies to do what he was doing, that he was willing to leave all for the sake of the gospel and it wasn't driven out of a works thing. It was driven out of love for a Savior. And there's a return that to, to, to the church that we're going to have to have before the end to where we're living for the love of the Savior, that we love him so much that we'll do anything that brings him joy, that makes him happy, that brings him the reward of his sacrifice. It's a turn from the selfish, comfortable, fat church that we have become to returning to a place of Christ first for everything for him where Jesus said if any man wants to come after me let him deny himself pick up his cross and follow me Christianity is not a call to be happy and fat and just do whatever you want to do have all your comforts Christianity is a call to die and if we die to him we were given the promise that we would live with him and our death is a daily death that we decide every day, I'm not living for myself, I'm living for him. What do you want me to do today, Lord? I want to do this, Lord. Is that okay? What do you want to do today? What makes you happy today, Lord? And there's a return that the Lord is bringing into his bride where she begins to look up and stop seeking things on below but start seeking those things which are above, where Christ is seated, when our heart is set on heavenly things. Because the scripture says where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. What, what is your heart thinking about all the time? What consumes our heart? If Jesus isn't consuming your heart to where he's a constant thought in your life all day long, then you're, don't, you're, you're falling short from where God wants you to live because the mind stayed on him, he will keep in perfect peace. Lord, be on our mind and our hearts at all times. Let us be desperately sick, Lord, in love with you, that we see you with the eyes of our heart and that we are passionately in love with you and pursuing you where you are, the Lord, what's consuming our thoughts. You're consuming our dreams. You're consuming everything around us. Lord, come and burn out the dross in us. Anybody want to make a, a, a prayer today with me? Just You want to be brave and you want to say, I want this, Lord. Lord, come and burn out the dross. Just tell him. Come and burn out the dross. Anything in me that cools my love from you, Lord, come. I'm laying it on the altar. Let it burn up. Burn it up, Lord. Anything that keeps me from loving you the way you, to be, you deserve to be loved, Lord, we ask that you burn it up. Burn it up, Lord Jesus. We want to love you. We want to love you, Lord. We want to love you with everything in our heart. We don't want anything, Lord, to be in a higher place in our heart than you. Be number one, Lord. Be number one.
Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for, again, for this country. Please help us to save it. Because it's a talent that's been given to us. And we will either bury it in the sand and reap judgment, or we will go and produce increase with it. In Jesus' name.